This week, NDA Podcast went to meet Stefan James, the leading man of Barry Jenkins' latest Oscar-nominated film, If Beale Street Could. Strumming my pen with his fingers. You ready for this? It's so great to meet you, Thank Stephane. you, I'm likewise. Nice <laughs> um, we're here today talking about If Beale Street Could, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you just got your Oscar noms yesterday, which mm. I'm really excited about, even though I think you were was it, robbed of cinematography, director, <laughs> <laughs> director, picture, whatever. But still, I'm glad to see Regina got her yeah, noms as well. Yeah. Okay, so what I was firstly going to talk to you about was um, James Baldwin. Yeah. Basically, I watched the film a couple of months ago. I was lucky enough to get a screening through um, Premiere. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, it was a small, small screening, not very many people, because I kept crying through oh, the Jesus. whole thing. I was loving <laughs> through it. Um, and one quote came to mind, and it was, um, it's not from the, the, his, the book, actually, it's another quote. And it was, anyone who's ever struggled with poverty knows how extremely expensive it is to be poor. And I thought, that's... Like, that's a quote that I, you know, I put on Twitter all the time and so on. But I thought, watching it, how expensive it is to actually be black. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on that and the sort of your character, Fonny, and so on. Because at every turn, it seems, you know, <coughs> barriers, barriers, barriers. And is that being about black? Is it class? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that Baldwin is sort of a, a genius in, in describing the, the black experience. And um, it's not specific to America at all. I mean, I'm Canadian, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, Fani's experience is my experience in the way where you know there's this system set up um, that is uniquely, um, you know, it, it gives certain types of people more problems than other types of people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's a system that's supposed to protect you. Um, but it doesn't serve a particular group of people. And I think that we look at not only the system, but the world in general, and we can say, you know, why is it that the the chips are stacked against me? You know, why is it that just because I was born into this skin, you know, I'm treated unfairly, I have to work this much harder, Um, you know, I'm seen as one specific type of thing. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and so for me, I think that's what that was about. And I think that's what this film is about. It's about showing the black experience in a way it's never been shown before. It's about showing black love in a way it's never been shown before. Because there's this idea that black love is inexistent because mm. we've never seen it. And, uh, and the fact is, it does exist. And in 2019, it's kind of strange to say, but you know, this is the first time that we're really getting to see it in cinema. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm going to read like a little quick thing from something Angela Bassett said in um, 2012. Um, and she was talking about Halle Berry's role in Monster, I think, and, and the sort of roles that Angela Bassett takes. She, she will not play a prostitute on screen. You know, I don't think she's done enslaved characters and so on before. And, um, and she basically said, you know, I wasn't going to be a prostitute on film, even though it wasn't a prostitute's part. I couldn't do that because it's such a stereotype stereotype about black women and sexuality. Film is forever. It's about putting something out there you can be proud of 10 years later. Um, and she, I mean, she, I don't know why, but she anyway, she mentions, I mean, Meryl Streep won Oscars without all that. And I wanted to kind of talk to you about respectability and black respectability. And I know I've looked through some of your roles and... Um, 
like I personally don't watch uh, enslaved narratives. That's my decision, and there's nothing against anybody else who does. Uh, but I did watch Underground, you know, the the, film, the TV series, and I saw through your roles. You seem to take quite sort of large, fantastic, you know, Jesse Owens and so on. But you did do one series. I think it was called uh, The Book of Negroes, and I just wanted to see what sort of roles do you think are available, and what what do you see going on in the future for your roles and so on. Um, well, for me, I, I think that, you know, stories like Asamo, where I played, you know, John Lewis, um, you know, those to me are just incredible American stories. They're bigger than black stories. Those are incredible American stories. Um, you know, John Lewis led the civil rights movement at 21 years old. I think that I look at John Lewis as a hero. Mm -hmm. So I saw myself playing a superhero, quite frankly. Um, the same thing with uh, Jesse Owens to go over to Berlin in 1936 and be able to triumph in the way he did and and effectively change the world through sport, through running. Um, that to me just struck me as you're bigger than an American hero, you're a world hero. Mm -hmm. And so I see those characters as, as quite frankly, superheroes and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'd be glad to tell those stories again. So can you see yourself playing the uh, equivalent of, um, I forget his name, the actor who's in 12 Years of Slave, which I've never seen, and I expect I probably won't. Yeah. Chiwetel mm -hmm. Would well, you play that part that he played? Um, I mean, there's no if telling. I, I mean, there's no telling. I, I think that, you know, I think it's, it's, it's less about, you know, you're playing a slave and more about, you know, you're telling a story that means so much. Mm -hmm. You know, you're giving people an education mm -hmm. that um, that really is so important. You know, I think that, you know, oftentimes, you know, people find it hard to look at stories like this. But why do we find it hard? Mm -hmm. You know, what inside of us has affected us that much that we can't even look at the truth? Yeah. Um, you know, things that have really happened in the world. So I'm not ashamed of I that. I get you, but then again, you've got... Um uh, Fruitful Station, I saw that recently for the first time, and Black Panther actually in the same day, and I thought how little accolade Fruitful Station got compared to his uh, the films he's directed subsequently, and I wonder, is Hollywood not so interested in contemporary stories of black people, whether it's a love story or you know, a police brutality story, I wonder. Yeah, I mean I think that everything is sort of situational, um, and I can't speak for Hollywood, but every individual is going to react to something mm -hmm. differently. Um, like I said, sometimes seeing stories of oppression or, 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 you know, wrongdoing by the police, sometimes that's harder to look at than Black Panther. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So um, I think that it's really subjective to who's receiving the art. Mm hmm and who's telling it. I was going to talk about radical empathy. So on Twitter, uh, an article came down my timeline and it said Barry Jenkins talks about radical empathy and that excited the hell out of me, I'll say, mm -hmm. because I'm a filmmaker as well. And I thought, good God, that's exactly <laughs> what we should have. He talked about a certain scene in, um, in the film, if Bill Street could. Uh, which is out on the 4th of February, I believe, in London. So just so <laughs> make sure you get that in. But um, yeah, he talked about radical empathy and putting uh, the audience, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the shoes of, of the sure. characters. You're mm -hmm. Folly and mm -hmm. um, Kiki's character as well. And I just, uh, I, I expect you know the scene that I mean. Um, 
where basically you're looking at the camera and the yeah. background, there's some music going on and mm -hmm. the camera swings from here to there. Um, how is it filming with Barry in that sort of terms where you've got a well, you've got a filmmaker who actually cares about empathy. You hear so many horror stories about different directors. I know you've been going for quite a while. So how was it working with Barry on those terms? I, I love Barry. And, um, and you know, sort of watching his, um, his other films, you kind of expect those moments to come, those super, super close-ups um, where you're looking directly in the camera. But it's still a strange thing, nonetheless, to have to go through as an actor. Uh, Barry Jenkins is one of the one of the um, the great humanists that we have in this business, and so he's able to capture a, a human side to an experience that you know we don't often get to see in cinema. Um, you know his his film choices are radical in, in, in themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Moonlight, a, a story about you know the black queer experience, and what that's like. Um, and then with this, you know, showing black love. Um, you know, between Tish and Fani in a, in a way that black love's never been portrayed. Um, for me, you know, I don't shy away from those moments. I don't think Barry shies away from those moments. And those moments where he's telling us, the actors, to look directly in the camera, mm -hmm. he's also telling the audience, you're not allowed to look away. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's the strongest part about those moments. Fantastic, thank you. Um, so, this is maybe perhaps a bit more fun. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what you think. But I know you're Canadian. Uh, you seem to play a lot of American cards. I'm sure during your career you'll play all sorts of all sorts of things over time. But I thought, seeing as we're in London, yeah. uh, I would just talk to you a little bit about London slang. Sure. Um, have you ever heard of the rapper Stormzy? I don't know. Of course. Oh, fantastic. Well, I hope you guys <coughs> get to hang out with some of these cool people while you're here. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so a few a, a couple of years ago. Um, the police, it turns out, were trying to get more in with the kids and so on. So they did a little session where they they uh, explained some of the slang from London um, and put it up on the whiteboard. I was going to like give you some of our sorry, I'm not, mm. <laughs> tell you some of the slang, and you see if you can uh, if I know figure what it out. Means. Yeah, okay, basically. let's go for it. All right, I'm just going to go down the list. Let's see if we get we get through them. So the first one is beef ting fam. Oh, that's it's going to be a fight. Yeah, very good. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Peng. Um, Peng. Jeez, I feel like I've heard this one before, but I don't. I don't know. No. What All right. It? It's like fit. She's you know attractive. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bro. <coughs> Say it again. Brov. Brov. Yeah. That's like my brother. Uh huh. And blood. Um. Same thing. Yeah. Like blood. <laughs> okay. Roadman. Uh, roadman. And do you have the equivalent in Canada? I wonder, but anyway. Uh, roadman, roadman. Mm, no, is that just a man who's on the road? Pretty much. I mean, the police said it was a teenager who involves themselves in smoking weed. No, I don't even know. What is that? Puffer, soccer and man bag at hard on a bike. Oh, I mean, that's their I, description, but I that's would, not... I wouldn't what. have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, <but>. no. <laughs> Let's not... Actually, I don't want you to go away from this interview thinking that their definitions of these words are right either, but I'm doing okay. this to get yours one. So, uh, goat. Yeah. Goat. Um, greatest of all time. Uh-huh. <coughs> Feds. Police. Yeah, I think that must be an American one. I don't know how that's come to us. But anyway, uh, Stormzy. Uh, artist. 
<laughs> well, they say not the weather, uh, rougher from Croydon. So yeah. <laughs> at least they know that. Anyway, yeah. um, so, so the last thing, basically on this, um, we did this. you're filming for two things, actually. The NDA podcast, which stands for No, no Dickheads Allowed and also No Disclosure Act and uh, for Media Diversified as well. And we do a session right at the end of our uh, podcast where we uh, do something called Get in the Bin and Hearing Fabulous. And I'll just explain and ask you, because Ava, who's my partner in crime, uh -huh. couldn't be here today, so it's just me. So you're going to be standing in for Ava, who's a okay. comedian, so, you know. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. Big shoes to fill. Okay, so during this last week, let's say, or month, if you want, who would you like to get in the bin? The person who's annoyed the hell out of you, whether public, whatever, private, etc. who would you like to, on bin day, take themselves out to the trash and put themselves in the bin and stay there? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> I don't even need to ask you for reasons yeah. on that one. Okay, yeah. that's fine. And then who's your here and fabulous? So someone who's like lit up the world and done good stuff within the last week or month or whatever. Um, and explain why. Recently? Hmm. Who, who, who? Uh, probably like Chance the Rapper. He's yeah. always doing incredible, incredible stuff for the community. Um, you know, whether it be donating, whether it be free concerts, Chance the Rapper is definitely... It's the man, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And lastly then, so you are Canadian. What Canadian historical figure would you want to play, if any? Ooh. Um, mm, that's a good one. I'm going to have to get back to you on that okay, one. Okay, then. That's Next time. One, Next film. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you ready for this? Singing my life with his words. I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. Me with we are drinking to new life. Tish gonna have Fanny's baby. <laughs> I hope it's a boy. We're gonna have a baby. I'll have you out of here before this. You sure about that? Me and Ava will be back in a new studio with new fantastic guests in April. I said it with my chest and I don't care who I'm a